0: And we should add, there's a, there's a third individual in the studio. Would you mind introducing him?
1: Sure. I've got my two-month-old little guy, Coda
0: Greg. So if you hear any peeps and squeaks, those are from him. <laughs> so I wanted to get kind of the news out front of this conversation, because just a few hours ago, you officially changed the name of your organization, Colorful Pages Coalition. So why the switch from project to coalition? for a couple of reasons. The first being the historical word project is associated
1: with black communities, communities of color and neighborhoods. So the projects, right? It has been said and referenced in deficit ways and negative ways. And also the word project gives the sense that we are coming in to fix a problem. We're not here to fix children. (laughs) We're not here. There's nothing wrong with The children. It's the systems
0: that we are raising our children in. I I wanted to ask that out front. Aside from it, you know, being a relatively new change, but I think it also dovetails with this conversation we're going to have today about the spirit of what you're trying to accomplish through your nonprofit. So, what change are you hoping to bring to schools in Asheville?
2: We're trying to confront systemic racism with a really concrete move, which is to. Diversify the bookshelves, represent students positively in picture books, and well, and that is almost like a vehicle for us to get the word out about racial equity, to amplify the voices of local leaders who are working really hard for racial equity. The name change to Coalition, we felt it's welcoming, it's a call out to other people to collaborate with us. We want to do our part by bringing books to the schools, but we also want to just let everyone know of all the things that are going on in the community of color and bring more support to the places that need it. Um, Before we dive a little bit
0: more into the work and all of the intentionality that you bring into, I mean, just how you change the name and what books you're selecting and how you're reaching out to other individuals... I want to get to know Bianca and Jeannie and and introduce you to our audience a little bit more. This is a a relatively new effort. You got your grant in January, so relatively like a few months old and already making some changes. But I want to go back to your kind of Genesis story. Where did this idea come from?
1: I would say a couple years ago, I was having these feelings and emotions surrounding being really disconnected from my culture, from my roots, and so I started
0: vocalizing and verbalizing a lot of that with some close friends. And Um, could you explain to the listeners how how you identify yourself, just because this is an audio, not visual medium? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I
1: identify strongly as a Latina and I am Mexican-American, born in the U.S., and also have some German-European roots in me as well. Um, but definitely identify strongly with with the Mexican-American roots that are within me. And so feeling especially disconnected from those and my place of birth and where I grew up in the Southwest. So once I started verbalizing it and kind of some of my concerns for my children, um, at that time I only had one child, but I was certainly concerned about what life would look like for him in Asheville especially. Kind of from there... Jeannie and I especially started having more in-depth conversations about our children and what that will look like for our children and then you know we kind of went broader for all children in the area and then we met an amazing I will call friend and mentor her name is Marisol Jimenez and she is a local consultant and does a lot of racial equity work and workshops and trainings nationwide So we sat down with her and I know for me personally, it was a really life changing moment to hear somebody that I felt represented a lot of who I was speaking so passionately and eloquently and beautifully and unapologetically for who she is and how, how she expects others to show up in the world was really
0: inspiring for me. As a woman of color raising kids in what can often seem like an overwhelmingly white place, what were sort of the inner challenges that you faced? If if you could help make that a little more tangible for people,
1: I think they especially became came to my forefront when I became a mother in Asheville. Um, both of my boys have been born in Asheville, and starting to see their interactions with some of their peers, questioning and wondering like what was behind some of those interactions and some of the learning I've been do- I have been do—I was doing in school as a social worker, knowing that children recognize differences at such an early age and what that means and what that looks like for, for my own kids. And then going beyond that, realizing that because I am lighter skin, that there are black mothers and black children, that it, they are just in this and living this with such intensity. And I just, I like my heart was like uh, feeling very touched and I, I felt I needed, there was no other choice but for me to be doing something. like I, there, I have to be doing something.
2: As our boys approached kindergarten age, these topics came up for us more and more and more. So, you know, I have a white little boy. Bianca has a little boy who's mixed race. And we both were having thoughts about race in school, in elementary school, which was interesting. Of course, we were coming from very different places and had different things on our mind. But we had that connection of this is a piece of our school decision. And what kind of school do we want, you know, our little boy to go to considering he's the whitest of the white, with red hair and blue eyes. We wanted him to go to a school that was diverse, and the more we looked into it, we were realizing we want him to go to a school that's diverse, but where all students are represented positively, and there's a, a great vibe of diversity is what strengthens this community, and that we kind of realized we weren't finding that feel uh, in the public schools. And then I've actually had a couple people say, really the opposite of okay school is the only place where my white child is interacting with children of color and what they're learning from the teachers is that there is a difference and that the the students who are black or brown students are getting in trouble more the you know the kids are picking up on the systemic racism and giving their own words to it which i'm sure the adults in the school would not be saying oh yeah you know this kid had a more severe punishment because they're black but the the way that five-year-olds and six-year-olds are picking up on that those are the kinds of words they're saying out loud so they're really the truth tellers here Mm -hmm. Um, so as kindergarten approached for for our families this anxiety was building within and it was great that the conversation came out and that we had sort of this amazing guidance by marisol jimenez who helped us put words to what we were feeling, who knew how to speak strongly and positively and had more of a vision for what would be helpful. And one of the ideas she threw out in terms of taking action was bringing picture books to the classrooms that uh, featured characters of color.
0: And so how is it that a book or a picture book can disrupt some of those racial perceptions and those boxes that we put people in? Speaking from my own personal experience as
1: a child, I never, on I don't recall reading a book that ever had brown or black children in it. And I just, I think, oh my gosh, I can't imagine what that would be like to have that experience in the book donations that we have provided thus far it's been really sweet and magical to see children just the they don't even have to say anything just the looks on their faces and their body language when they are all children right when they are looking at these books and the affirmation that can come with that so it's it's healing for i think for everybody it's not just for our black, brown, Asian, indigenous children. It is for all children because our children of color will see them positive see themselves positively amplified in books and you know doing everyday things and being heroes of the story and being the center of the plot line. And their white peers will also see like, "Oh, that that is normal and that is wonderful and that is beautiful to see my brown sister, to see my black brother doing these amazing beautiful things in a book which means oh my black friend over here my brown friend over here my asian friend over here is doing the same thing like how beautiful and amazing is that
2: for white women specifically a good connection or an analogy would be you know do you think it's important for kids to see female doctors female scientists you know what would have happened if here in 2019 books and picture books didn't have any strong women leads, you know, so if we didn't have any characters that were females that were a protagonist or the hero of the story. And that, I think that's something that helps us see so clearly, I'm saying us as a white woman, how powerful it can be for kids to see characters in a book and and realize this is a reality this is a doctor who's female so you can be a doctor who's female or this is a superhero who's black and you can be a superhero who's black you are a superhero that's black right it's like already these we have been so
1: quick to place children in these boxes and using some deficit language and it's like already these all children are doing amazing things and have these amazing talents and gifts And it's us as
0: adults that have...
2: Limited them. Yeah, we're
0: limiting them. Absolutely. So before Colorful Pages, y'all were friends. You met in a a mom's group. But I'm curious, you you both seem so comfortable talking about race, inequity, and divisions within our own community. How has your friendship changed since having these conversations more often and now publicly? Mm. Even just thinking about that, I...
1: It's hard not to tear up, um I feel so fortunate and blessed to have like this companion by my side um and I feel a hundred percent supported that there's that I could say and do anything or make a misstep, and she is still here, which has happened. <laughs> it feels like a marriage in some sense, you know, like I feel between us there's like this unconditional and infinite love and strength. And that's been incredibly healing for me on such a deep personal level. Oh, you're tearing up too.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's hard not to feel emotional, but we've both really grown. I've been able to take risks that are uncomfortable for me. And I will, and I know it's because I'm a white and privileged. So I know that I'm going to make mistakes that hurt my ego bad. <laughs> and Bianca's like, oh, uh, that's fine. Just post about it publicly. And, you know, this will be an amazing lesson for all of our white followers. And I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> but it's great. You know, it's someone who's like, we're taking risks. We're trying to make a difference. We're both going to Learn And so to have a friend and have someone who is there to support you and help you see that mistakes that you make or things that you do that are embarrassing, where it's like, oh, that didn't go so well. Here's here's the way we can show everyone that we made a mistake and here's how we grow from it. And it, that it is incredible to have someone who... Is that for you, that reminder for you that, so that you can be brave? And also, I need Bianca to help me see when I can't see because I'm white. Of course, if anything, it's just strengthened our real, our relationship.
0: Bianca and Jeannie, thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for this opportunity. And thank you, Koda. Snoozing. <laughs>